Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Better. I'm Dr. John Duffy and my Hi. beautiful, lovely co-host, <laughs> brilliant co-host, <laughs> Julie Duffy. All right. People are going to get tired of that. Just... I know, I know, and and it's so I'll, sweet though. I'll note again that there there's been little hyperbole for me because my name comes first. Okay, wait, let's switch it. No, okay. Hi, welcome to Better. I'm Julie Duffy, and, and I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm Julie Duffy. Let's see what you and got. this is my handsome, mm. smart, uh, caring, world-saving, strong husband, Doctor John Duffy. I don't mind that. I actually kind of like, I don't mind that turnabout. There, an interesting thing that you can't see, but I can, is as you're thinking of your superlatives, you're squinting like you're working hard. Like you got to think of the thing. Uh, I'm thinking. I understand. I understand. No, and I appreciate the thoughts. Welcome to Better, you guys. <laughs> um, so happy you're here. Um, Today, I, I've got something on my mind that might be a little different than what we normally talk about. Um, I see this as a remarkable time in so many ways. Um, sometimes in the wake of things that are either unexpected or even tragic, really cool movements take place, right? And so I think this is an amazing time to for, for women and for girls, I think this is the coolest, most empowering time that I remember in my life. Yeah. Um, and I can't say enough about these students down in Parkland, Florida, and how they are changing the way we look at, I look at teenagers. I've always known for years and years how amazing teenagers are, how thoughtful and caring um, they are. And it's really remarkable to see in the wake of what they're going through, what these kids are doing. So for so many people, um, there are so many great things happening that feel revolutionary in a way, right? And, I, and I'm blown away by it. Um, but uh, hey, I'm a, I'm a straight white male and I think we're getting screwed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the people I wanna talk about are our young men and our boys, our, from teenage boys, through, let's say, early 20s. I work with a lot of these guys, and there's a few things I want to note um, about what I see in this, this population of people that we need to do better for. And, I, and I'm not sure what better looks like yet, but I do want to talk about what, what they're going through because one I've been I've been polling these guys. I've been asking them a series of questions in mm -hmm. my office over the past couple of weeks, and um, and I'm not surprised by the answers. But but I think a lot of a lot of people will be right. Here's what their lives are like. I was surprised. Were you? Yeah. So um, so young men, teenagers, um, guys who are college age, they go to school, and it's kind of a blah day for them, and they feel a little disengaged mm -hmm. and a little out of it and a little disconnected and oftentimes a little lonely. Even the kid, you think like, that kid? Right. I don't think that kid could possibly feel lonely. Look at him. He's surrounded by people. There's girls who like that kid. Well, yeah, we know better than that. Right. And they feel lonely. And, um, and so they come home. They play video games. They smoke weed. My God, they smoke weed, man. I'm telling you... Um, these boys and young men are smoking pot 
like crazy. And I'm not saying pot's the root of all evil. We should criminalize pot. Pot's not the problem. Pot is a symptom of the problem. It is the clearest manifestation. Um, weed, vaping, juuling, um, Adderall, Ritalin, all this self-medicating, even some of the opioids, all this self-medicating is going on. So these guys feel empty and alone, directionless, and kind of hopeless, an awful lot of young men. And it's something we're not attending to the way we need to. And I'm worried about these guys because we therapists, we can work with them one by one and lift them up and help them look at themselves and see that they carry something cool and remarkable, you know? Yeah. But it's not a one-by-one thing. This this is a cultural, massive problem. Because I'll ask these guys, um, how many of your, what percentage of your classmates, guys, do you think feel this way? You know, uh, lonely, disconnected, self-medicating with weed. Let's just leave it at that, those things. And kind of what just... And video games. And sort of like... Uh, disconnected from their path, from their future, like kind of just, it's it, it, right? Hopeless. I mean, you know, um, not so short of suicide. Oh, yeah, hopeless? A, yes, an wow. awful lot of hopelessness. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to become of me. Um, you know, my parents did really well, but I don't think that's going to happen for me. You know, um, not feeling very good about themselves, the world, the future, much of anything. So they turn to video games and the video games these guys play right now, the biggest video game right now. And, and there you're everybody say it with me, Fortnite. There's a game called Fortnite. Um, and if you're a parent of a boy or a young man, you know, that this is heroin. You know, this is, this is the hardest thing to get your kid off of. Heroin? Heroin. Oh, I didn't know if you said heroin or heroin. I think it's both. both. (laughs) I think it's both, sadly. Fortnite is actually a a pretty pedestrian, ordinary, first-person shooter game. Here's the deal with a first-person shooter game. So here's what happens. Um, I've seen Fortnite because kids show me videos because they're so into it. George plays it. <laughs> and they want, Right, my son plays it. Um, and, and you um, come in, I think, on a helicopter to an island. And you fall out of the helicopter. You jump out of the helicopter. There's exactly 99 people other than you on the island. The island, I think, as the game get, goes on, gets smaller. The map shifts and changes a little bit. And you want to be the last man standing. In other words... You are killing people and people are killing each other. That's the game. Right. That's the game. Um, and again, I'm not just like I'm not going to say weed is the is the root of all evil for young men. I'm also not going to say video games are. Right. So I'll just clarify. I'll just take a minute to clarify and say um, if if this sounds um, like a typical call to action about weed or video games, I know that it's not because you actually, you don't even have that much of a problem with either weed in and of itself or video games. In fact, you spend, I mean, you... I mean, I'm smoking weed and playing a video game right now. (laughs) No, but you'll, you'll say, you know, sometimes you'd rather have a kid smoking pot than drinking, than, you know, drinking a lot. And you will sometimes, you can see a kid's strengths through... Through his, you know, him playing video games and what, how, why he likes it, and you can get to know him that way. So just, just as a, just to take a beat to say this isn't a typical, you know, kids are smoking too much pot and playing too many video games. We need to get our kids that's, straight that's on these things is. and that's get these things is. out of their hands. No, the truth of the matter is, um, you know, uh, 
there, there is no study that's going to convince me that weed is a more dangerous drug than, say, um, alcohol, which is a lethal drug. Right. You know, so, so no, I really have. If, if, if the question for me was, do we legalize or you know criminalize weed? My God, legalize it, tax the shit out of it, <laughs> and pay for education. You yeah. Know? So I just wanted to point that out in it's case really it sounds like you. you know because you hear this all the time. Oh, they're smoking, you know, it's, they're smoking weed and they're playing video games. Oh, these kids. That's right. not that's not what you. No, and that's I don't. Not your point. And I don't think ga- uh, video games are a gateway to you know school shootings either. No. You know what I mean? No, no. Unto themselves, um, the video games are actually these first-person shooter games. Let's face. I grew up with little plastic green army men, and we would shoot each other. Like, you know, we were at war. We loved, like, I had G.I. Joes, man. We went to war. Little boys, we kind of like war. We like, you know, it's a fantasy, and it truly is a fantasy. And and, and it's not always boys, but, you know, like, it's something we do, and now it's amped up because video games get your – if you've played, every once in a while a kid will bring – it's uh, well, what's the thing called? It's a, it's a, it's a all-in-one video game. So both controllers are attached to the side. It's a new. I, thing. I don't know. Oh my gosh, I can't believe. I, I mean, can't. but and I actually like a video game. Georgie and I played them. <laughs> yes. Crash Bandicoot. Well, there's so so a first. So I played Call of Duty not long ago, a couple of weeks ago in my office. This kid's like, you got to uh. play the new Call of Duty, and so you're. You're looking down the scope of a rifle. This is going to sound so bad. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm overcorrecting. You're looking <laughs> you down. Really the, fired up about this. You're looking sir. down the scope of a rifle, and you know, and then uh, you got to know the map kind of pretty well because a, a dude can come out from anywhere, come out behind you. You got to know the whole deal, and you know, and so your heart kind of races like because it feels yeah. like a real thing. You feel, you know? they, they, they feel alive. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that's cool, really cool about video games and really strategic and fun. Yeah, and but, some and some kids develop like and, amazing coordination skills and things like that. So in and of itself, thank you so much for that pause, actually, because, right, this might easily have sounded like a rant against kids, boys, and what they are doing with their lives. Mm-hmm. It is it is not. No. Um, they are lost. Our boys are mm-hmm. lost and lonely and sad. And um, and boys are a little slower to recognize that than girls. So if I get a – let's say I get a, a, an 18-year-old girl into my office, minute one – she sits down. Okay, Doctor Duffy, here's the problem. I'm not getting along with my friend. She just goes. She right. goes. You know, it takes nothing right, for right, a teenage right. girl yep. to tell me what her deal is. If I got a teenage boy in there, he's a little resistant. He's a little embarrassed to be there. There's that little machismo thing, you know, that says I shouldn't be in therapy, or he's just super sad. And you know, and so that's all he has to talk about is nobody likes me. I feel mm. disconnected. Um, and I, honest to God, I hear this a lot. I'm thinking about somebody I worked with yesterday. Yeah. Um, and this is a sweet 16-year-old guy um, in tears oh. in my office um, and probably nowhere else uh, talking about how um, he has no friends. People hang out with him out of pity. He hates the way he looks. He can't imagine that a girl would be attracted to mm-hmm. him. His grades are dropping uh, because he's playing more and more video games because this is the only thing in his life that he feels good about. And he doesn't really feel good about it. Really all it is is an escape. it kills time. Yeah. It's an escape. You know what I mean? So for some kids it's Netflix, for some kids it's video games, and for some kids it's weed, and some kids it's all of those things. So um, what fries my ass beyond belief is when parents – will bring a, a, a boy into me and say, this kid's just lazy, he's a bum, he's just smoking weed, he's not doing his work, you know, because 
that's all, that's all symptomatic of a deeper problem. And our job, my generation's job, is we have to help our boys figure out who they are, hear their own voices, find out what is remarkable about them, where their skill set is, and, and understand that what looks like opting out and laziness is actually this kind of this, this deep sense of self-loathing and loss, that, that, that they just feel lost. They don't know where they're headed. They don't know where they've been. They're afraid they're not going to be able to handle what's before them, mm-hmm. so they opt out. Yeah, um, and boys do this for whatever reason way more than girls. Um, and part of it is, I think we're in this space now culturally where we're working to empower our girls, which I think is awesome, right? So we're working. There are there are groups on campuses trying to get girls involved in STEM uh, classes, you know, science, technology, engineering, stuff like that, mathematics, and girls are killing it. Girls now, there are more girls, more young women in college. Um, by a couple percent wow. than there are young men. And and here's a phenomenon, um, just, just to raise the alarm bells before we, before we solve the problem. Here's a phenomenon that I've described a little bit on, on the podcast in the past that um, is super important that I think nobody knows about, but me and a few other therapists. Whoa. Um, 18, 19-year-old men, freshmen in high school, uh, I'm sorry, in college, um, are heading home in droves, usually within the first semester. They fail to regulate somehow. So they either stop going to class, they smoke too much pot, they um, fall into some really, really bad habits, they play video games all day long. They, they've had so much difficulty trying to figure out who they are so far in their lives that once they get into this wildly unstructured environment, they fall apart. They drink too much. They and and so one way or another, either through disciplinary stuff or through academic problems, they're back home and mm-hmm. they're sitting on my couch by Thanksgiving of yeah. their freshman year in college. Yeah. And, and, I, and a lot of times I can see it coming. I can see in the in the high school senior this loss of hope. And um, this this belief that it'll be better next year because I'm going off to college. Once I get to Mizzou, it's going to be great. You, you, you see the belief? Yeah, yeah. I see this hope, like this, like almost like clinging, just grasping at straws. Like you know, next year it'll be better, and yet nothing's changing. You know yeah. what I mean? So I I always have this fear, like mm, I don't see next year being better. We need to change something about the way you feel about yourself now. So. What we tend to do as parents when our kids underperform is we try to bear down on them, mm-hmm. right? We try to get them to do what they should be doing. Shoulds yeah. in air quotes, right? So you know, yeah, our, our like you always talk about fear, judgment, and ego. Fear really being the main feeling, right? That the anxiety when your kid isn't playing the game, toeing the line, and and it comes not from solely. An egotistical place. I'm not saying that it comes from, and you know, this I think probably is another podcast because I'm trying to um, let you stay in this specific zone of this. You know, we we had this really, we have a very narrow definition of what success looks like, and we're all, but we all fall asleep to it, and and it, and you know, it's 
we really are letting our kids down in that regard. You know, getting them on track. It's all about getting, you know, taking the right classes and getting on track to get into a good school, to get a good job. And they don't feel any of it. And they just, you know, fall in line or don't. And then we freak out because, you know, oh no, Jimmy's not going to get into the right school and he's not going to get the, you know, the right job and I'm not going to be able to you know, say the thing that makes me feel good about Jimmy. So anyway, I digress. But, no, but you don't digress but, far because you're right. Uh, parents have every tool imaginable to freak out because they can look at a portal online and see... Jimmy didn't hand in his Spanish homework this today, you know, this morning. Right. So I'm going to reach out to We this. literally never looked at that. We never looked at that. <laughs> not one time. Anyway. And they have Naviance. Naviance is a website that shows how kids at your high school have done in terms of getting into colleges based on GPA and ACT or SAT scores. So you can literally watch as your kids' GPA drops, you can watch school potential fall away. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And parents do this all the time. And I get it. So this is, um, in a way, we have too many tools available to us <laughs> that, that demarcate that narrow definition of success. And we never stop to think, oh, well, what is success for my guy? You know, And so I, when I see parents supporting some creative endeavor for their son, even if it's like, I don't really want my kid to be an actor, or I, want, I don't want my kid to be a rapper, or I don't want my kid to be a DJ, but this is what he's drawn to right now. And so I'm, gonna, I'm going to embrace that. You know what? Play me the thing. Show me the, do, do the, do the monologue for me. Let me see. Play that song. So we've talked about this before. So you're now, are, you're now stepping into solution, right? Like how we can address this, or you're riffing on how we might address this and give these boys something uh, to, um, you know, light up their lives a little bit. Yeah. Where they might feel something more than just despair. Listen, <laughs> you know, you you and I have been so deliberate, Julie, in, um, in shifting the name and nature of this podcast, right? So yeah. this, this is about better, right? right? So part of better is recognizing what's not better yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and deciding, like, we're going to make this better. Yeah, we all need and, to and, do better. And this is, this is a phenomenon... Um, and a, a group of people that I know we can do better by. And these guys are amazing. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, well, I, and, and, and just, again, just to take a beat, the awareness, you know, I, I think you're saying something most people don't know. Yeah. So that is, you know, if, if that's all that happens from this podcast, that's... You know, that's huge. You know, like people need to know that this is how the boys are feeling. Yeah. And not um and 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 you know. <laughs> I mean, because they're they're on your couch and they're telling you. It's not like an article you read. No, no, no. It, it's you know, John, you John talks to these people all the time. What I can't believe is that it's not an article I've read. And I've thought about I this. I can't believe it either. So I've been asking these young guys, like, why? Why am I not hearing about this? Why do I not know that there is weed in every high school bathroom? That there is there are are you know um, fistfuls of Adderall up and down the hallways of every dorm and uh, male dorm and every fraternity on every campus in America. You know what I mean? That that there are kids smoking weed in every frat house on earth. You know what I mean? Like why are we not talking about this? Why are we not? Why do we not know that? some massive percentage of 
freshman boys in college, by the time the first semester is over, are already marking time in their parents' basement, afraid to come out and afraid to be seen in their neighborhood because people are going to ask, what went wrong? I thought you were at IU or, you know, whatever. Um, I can't believe that hasn't been written yet. And maybe that's that's something that we need to write up. But right now, what we can do is talk about it. Yeah. And, and you're right, Julie. All I'm asking is recognize that this is happening and that your guy might be one of these guys because the least likely guys are these guys. You know what well, I mean? And, and, and from what you're guys, saying, good guys uh, aren't deadbeats. Lots of guys. Yeah. You know, the, the, so maybe the most likely guy and the least likely guy are the guy. So if you if ask, ask your kids about these things in their school, in their class, and in their lives themselves. Let them talk to you about it. Be, you know, it's not that hard to do what I do for a living. It really isn't because all it is is getting to know young people. It's it's a joy and a privilege. And, and when you hear, when you sit across from an 18-year-old boy and he tells you how he feels about himself and you see it's so easy to see the good in him, to see the great in him, and to just mirror that back. And part of that mirroring isn't telling him, oh, you're really a neat kid. You're a good-looking kid. You're super smart. You should be so happy. It's just reflecting, you know, reflecting back to him, giving him your undivided attention. That's all he needs. All he, Julie is um, brilliant when she says this. What your kids need from you more than anything else is for your eyes to light up when you see them. And these boys right now are giving parents every reason for their eyes to dim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so don't take the bait. Don't right. take the bait that, you know, the video games and the weed and the Adderall and all this other crap. Don't don't buy that that defines your boy. Well, and and, you know, we know that it's harder for teachers to light up. Like the kids that need you to light up the most are the ones that maybe it's hardest to, to light up for. Or, you know, you have to remind yourself, light up. Like, yep. l- l- like remember, like see the light in him and, sh- you know, let him see the light in your eyes when you look at him. <laughs> and the moment you do, the good starts to flow. I mean, and, 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 the, and the healing starts to begin. And then whatever latent wish he has for his life, you know, and I mean this sincerely, starts to kind of rise to the surface. Like, you know, what do you want for yourself? What do you want for other people around you? You know, and, and, and these guys are filled with so much kindness and so much love. And I've wondered honestly at times whether part of the disservice we've done to them is we've muddied up the whole meaning of what it is to be a man and what it is to be a guy. You know what I mean? Because the guys I sit across from are kind and sweet and super sensitive and and they don't feel like they should be. You know what I mean? Honestly, oh, yeah. they, they, there's this idea like, you know, oh, I'm crying right now. That's bad. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm always like, dude, I got Kleenex here for a reason. Cry yeah. away. Yeah. I might cry with you. Yeah. You know, like, let's cry, you know? Um, and we're still holding on to this ancient message, I think, to some extent. And and dads, we might be more, uh, I'm holding our feet to the fire a little more than moms on this, um, because I think we still have a little bit of that old school stuff we learned from our dad, stiff upper lip, you know, 
there's no crying in baseball thing. Um, and you know what? Your, your boys need to shed a tear once in a while, and therein lies some of their strength. Therein lies some of what's amazing about them. Um, I was talking to a dad who so <laughs> surprised me um, recently. He was talking about his son. And this is this guy's a tough guy. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I won't name names, but he was talking about his son, who is um, a real smart guy, really good-looking kid, um, super, super sensitive. Um, and so he sometimes is brought to tears. Sometimes he his feelings get hurt. And this dad had the presence of mind to sit his son down, and he said, you know what? You're a really sensitive kid, and that that I admire about you. That is your biggest strength. And that, you know, because you, you're going to be able to read the emotional temperature of a room when you're in business or whatever it is you're doing with your life. And, you know, it blows me away when a dad comes up with something like that. And this is a friend of mine, and I so honor the way he approached that because, man, imagine imagine if he'd gone the other way. Yeah. You know? What are you, a big baby? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. snap out of it. Yeah. And instead, he recognized that as a strength. So, so all all we're looking for for this to start becoming better is a modicum of awareness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now we know. Now we know. And um, I will probably uh, be carrying this placard around this for a while because this is really important to me. This is something I see on the daily in my office, and it is um, a massive cultural issue that we have to address. And the best place to address it is right at home, in his room, watching TV, in the car. Do it while you're talking. It's a shout out to parents. It's a shout out to teachers, coaches, anybody who is connected to or knows young men, uncles, aunts, you know what I mean? Like people you wouldn't expect. And just to clarify, um, what a couple clear things you can do for that kid in your life like like what what are a couple things great like yeah. repeat a couple things you can do uh to start addressing this all right first let me say what not to do um here's what i encourage you not to do um don't demean don't demean these guys don't um don't tell them that they are worthless or that they are disappointing you or whatever. Keep your bar high. Tell them you expect them to do well, but don't demean them as people. And if they're video game guys, sit down for 10 minutes, play the video game. Yeah. Ask them like, all right, tell me what this is about. I don't understand this. And they'll show you. Because that is, that is you know, you talked about they feel disconnected. So they need connection. They and need connection. In the, and, and, th- and that's their world right now. You know, it's, it, their world will change at some point. But right now, that's their world. So step into their world. You're on Snapchat. Show me. I don't understand how that works. Show me how that works. Um, you know, play that song for me. Or play a song for me. Like, what are you listening to on that iPad? You know, on your iPad? Like, I want to hear it. Or what are you watching? I, w- I want to watch that too. Let me watch an episode of that. That yeah. looks like a ridiculous cartoon that's going to make me mad. I want to watch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you talked about in, in you know pretty recently, I think, on a podcast, or maybe I just listened to it again recently. You talked about this dad that walked down in the basement, and his kid was supposed to be studying for the ACT, and he instead he was like, um, "I'm making, making beats, making dad. Beats, I'm like, making beats on his." Uh, 
on his computer. And the kid said, hey, dad, you want to listen? Check it out, dad. And the dad said, no. <laughs> like, eh, parenting yeah. mistake. Eh. No, you're supposed to be studying math or whatever. So if they're doing something, if your kid's doing something creative um, or something, you know, Anything, anything, no matter what they're doing, that's, step that's into that world lighting them up in any way, just find out what it is, participate, support it, <laughs> just so they can get some, gain some traction. And, and you asked a good question. So what else can, can parents or, or any other adults who are connected to these kids do? Um, the other thing is don't make everything a crisis. Do not make the sum total of your relationship with this kid about what they're doing wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you have to tell them like, hey, you're getting a D in math, you know, Okay, mention that. It's worth mentioning, right? Um, but at some point, just hang with them and let some things be ordinary. And most kids, so here, here, here's a little secret that I usually talk to say to parents when I'm lecturing them. Um, most kids have a time, even when they're 18, 19, 20 years old, where they regress a little bit, where they want to be little, where they want to be yeah. more, where they, where they want to be with their mom or their dad. Even if they say they hate you, Mm-mm. it's bullshit. They don't hate you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's spoiler alert. They don't hate you. They might they might not want to be restricted, you know, in their in their time on Fortnite, but they don't hate you. So well, and they might hate. They might resent. The dead look in your eye. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that <laughs> they might resent true. the lack of light in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, um, so where am I heading to? So, so you uh, that, that time when they take they're the, vulnerable, you can. Yeah. So you so when in the time when they're vulnerable, just just talk to them about like you know. So I see that you're like getting a D in math, and you you're, you're getting a handful of C's, and you know sometimes you're not in class, and I know you're smoking some weed. What? Tell me what's going on. Like uh, you know. Try to get to know what it's like to be him and let him open up to you. Give him the opportunity because he might he might surprise you. I've worked with a lot of parents who have taken this route and they get to know their kid in a whole new way in an instant just by by taking advantage of those moments that are silent, that are open and available to you, you know? Yeah. Um, so you got to allow for a little bit of that time because if you're hearing his voice, he's hearing it too. And he might not get many opportunities because the world is filled with distractions for him. I love that. If you're hearing his voice, he's hearing it too. Oh my yeah. God, that's awesome. Yep, yep. So um, let's let's start a revolution for the boys too. Yeah. One for the boys. Yeah. Um, let's get it started. Um, and this is better. Yeah. With Dr. John Duffy and Julie Duffy. I love, love you, honey. You. So Thanks. glad you're here. All right. All right. We'll talk Thanks. to you next Bye. time, folks.